Finding Emo, our podcast where we discuss our favorite albums from the early aughts and thereabouts. I'm Blake Fisher, and of course, I've got Kyle Simmons and Chris Monier here as well, because we host this podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Sorry we're a day late if you're actually checking this on time, but you know we've got Halloween lives. We had to take the kiddos out for all that fun stuff, um, and you know have to get our dad tax on candy, uh, mm-hmm. teach him how I saw a great funny thing babylon b did the thing that was uh uh takes candy for unrealized candy gains <laughs> that was pretty good um that compound interest will get you man. oh yeah that'll get yeah. you uh so thanks for listening uh, we appreciate you and uh would love it if you subscribed and or rated the podcast we love getting five-star reviews we will give you a full-size candy bar if you give us a five-star review and then come to our houses next halloween yep it's true fair deal Seems fair enough. Um, today, we are talking about the 2002 album from Something Corporate entitled, uh, what the heck is the name of this? Uh, Leaving Through the Window? Is that what it's called? I literally That's didn't write down the name <laughs> The name of the album. That's we literally just, we just <laughs> duct taped this whole thing together uh, real quick. Sorry. Um, so I did the quote unquote research for this one, so I'm going to take it away. Um, you know, not a... A, a just ton of information about this. This is their first full-length record. Uh, they had an EP before that, uh, which had uh, several of these songs on it, but they re-recorded them for this album. Uh, it was released May 21st, 2002 uh, on drive Through uh, slash MCA. So they were kind of, it was one of those indie kind of deals with a, with a major thing kind of behind it. Hence the probably slightly higher budget than last week's, uh, our last episode's Panic at the Disco album. Uh, I couldn't find the budget numbers, but the 22-piece orchestra that's on about every song yeah, indicates to me that it was it higher was than 11000 Their orchestra budget was higher than 11000 uh, I would assume. Uh, this is, of course, Andrew, McMahon, Andrew McMahon's first band. Uh, that He goes on to do Jack's Mannequin, and then he's got Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness. Um but also Brian Ireland, Josh Partington, William Tell, and Kevin, quote-unquote, Clutch Page, which is a pretty cool band nickname, right? Clutch? That's a cool band nickname. We agree. Um, and producer Jim Wirt, who goes on to do quite a bit of the stuff uh, with Andrew going forward, like Jack's Mannequin and whatnot. Um, you know, as far as production stuff, uh, I, I did kind of do some diving into some of the details, not a lot. Uh, they basically recorded it. They started doing pre-production at the end of 2001. I think the important thing to understand here is that similar to that last episode, these guys are really young. So when they're doing pre-production for this record, Andrew is 18 years old. Uh, he turns 19, I think shortly before it releases. So, you know, or during the recording process, maybe. So 18, 19-year-old kids, uh, really fresh uh, out of high school, not really even out of high school, probably when they actually uh, you know, get the deal and whatnot and have that EP and whatnot. So really young, uh, which is, an, I think, an important thing to keep in mind. And um, they kind of, you know, I don't want to say they're completely unique, but like the lineup of... Uh, having a piano-led kind of punk rock band was definitely something, I think, unique at the time. Absolutely. It was like, oh, this is cool. Uh, and, and something a little different, uh, similar to our yellow card punk rock with a violin. You go, okay, I'm my interest is peaked. 
uh, and punk rock with a piano frontman is uh, is another interesting kind of thing for me. So that was kind of their uh, niche or whatever, uh, if if they had one. And um, and so they record this album, released it like I said, May two thousand two, and um, you know I actually couldn't find like how many copies it sold and stuff. I saw the copies on the you know what it charted and the first week and all that kind of stuff, but I couldn't find total numbers. Um, and I'm sure they're out there, but. A fairly successful record. They really only go on to have two records, really. It's like this and the, and the follow-up that comes up the next year. So we don't get a huge catalog from something corporate necessarily, although, you know, Andrew goes on to have Jack's Mannequin and Andrew So it's kind of all a continuation. In the live shows, he plays something corporate songs and stuff. And it, they even, you know, Jack's Mannequin had a couple of these guys from this band doing that project with him. So it was similar. Um but we really only get two albums from these guys, and uh, and this is the first full length. And I really think that there's not a lot of the information we need to talk about as far as the making of it. The only kind of interesting thing I found was um, his influence list I thought was worth breaking out because I feel like the piano is a cool instrument. It's, it's not one that I've been great at learning but like it was the it was the rock and roll instrument until the electric guitar came along so in the 50s you know the piano is the rock and roll instrument you know and you got jerry lee lewis and all all the types and uh and then electric guitar kind of dominates for the next several decades other than a few people and like two of them would be like billy joel and elton john and so there's this quote uh, from andrew that i read in i think it was i think this one was um in an interview with oddly enough, like Yamaha because he played a Yamaha at the time or he probably still does. And so he says, um, basically in the article it says along the way, Andrew developed an appreciation for vintage seventies and eighties pop. And then the quote from Andrew is Billy Joel is probably my favorite. He says, and I love the great seventies Elton John when he was at the best part of his youth, writing those angst filled songs and Freddie Mercury, definitely Freddie Mercury. He's just listing these. He said, another old school obsession is Toto. They're great. You know, Africa hold the line. Rosanna are three of the most excellent pop trinkets of the eighties. And uh, and then of the newer writers, he likes Ben Folds, Fiona Apple, Adam Duritz of Counting Crows. And I just go like, this is all the people that I loved. And I yeah. was the same age of as him. At, at, we're the exact same age. So, uh, you know, kind of moving from that into first impressions. Uh, you know, Chris, I remember you introduced me to this record in probably your car or my car. I can't remember which one it was because you were also excited about the punk rock uh, frontman uh, piano kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, immediately I was like, yes, I'm into this. Like I, I didn't need any, uh, it wasn't a slow burn. I immediately was like, I'm into this. And I think obviously that makes sense because we had the exact same influence. I mean, the only person on that list that he listed there that I didn't just eat up would be Fiona Apple, which I liked fine, yeah. but I never really listened to her albums. But everyone else on that list was like a humongous uh, thing for me. I mean, the last part of that quote was my musical goal in life has always been to touch people the way that first counting crows record did to me. And for me, I feel the same way. Although for me, it's their second record, yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. it's uh recovering the satellites, even though Mr. Jones and several songs on the first one I love, but um, the second one really hooked me. So yeah. yeah, I just feel like we have so many of the exact same influences. It just made sense that he would make music that I like because I like almost everything <gasps> he liked. But, uh, so that's sort of mine. I know that's coming, going backwards in time, but Chris, you, since you introduced it to me, you got to tell me about your first impression and how it got introduced to you and whatnot. 
I just remember my buddy Tyler telling me that I would like it. Um, he had it in his car. You know, pulled out the CD. The cover was very interesting with the girl climbing out of the window. You know, it was I mean, is like, it just? Uh, it's just the perfect amount of sexy. It's not too. Yeah, exactly. It, it was like <laughs> it, it doesn't quite <laughs> really right. show. It's not really quite right. cleavage. It's yeah, just it's like not dirty at all. It's just like it's and, a chest. And, and plus, yeah. there's that like boyhood fantasy of the girl climbing up through your window or leaving through the window, yeah. I guess in this case, but obviously at first she has to climb in through it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love the cover. I think it's a fantastic yeah. point. Yeah. And then he, uh, you know, he played me if you see Jordan and you know, it definitely, I, I just feel like I, my head cocked and I was like, this is not like any of the other music that Tyler likes. Tyler liked no effects, no use for a name, good riddance, you know, it was getting into like the deeper cuts of like Jawbreaker and Minor Threat and, you know, and then all of a sudden he's like into this and, um, I, yeah, I just loved it. You know, my dad, my dad was a huge Elton John fan. And so me and my dad listened to Elton John records all the time growing up because, you know, if you were an eighties kid, you thought of Elton John as like, you know, the sappy crocodile rock. Um, what's that song with Kiki D that he did? Not Kiki D, uh, the duet. I don't know. Don't no, go it's, it's Kiki. Yeah, don't oh, go breaking it's my heart. Kiki D. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Kiki D, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the sappy stuff. And so I remember when my dad introduced, told me like, oh, you'd love Elton John. I was like, no, it's not for me. I'm, I'm good. You know, he's like, no, no, the old stuff's good, man. You'll like it. He played me like Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. And I actually have a tattoo have now a, of, of you have one a, of those yeah. songs. Yeah. <laughs> I won't um, like Elton John. And now you have a, uh, yes. is that the best I told you so your dad <laughs> ever had? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'll have a tattoo. That's the very long way of saying, I, you know, I was already definitely into music like this, but Andrew and his buddies, especially um, Andrew, but but you know, the dudes in the band, they they put a sp- just the right spin on that style of music, like gave it that little punk rock ish edge. It wasn't, I mean, they weren't a punk rock band. I, they were almost like a power pop band or a pop band, but but because they were on drive through records, because they were, you know, name drop New Flam Glory in their opening track, it kind of right. gave this credibility that made you go, okay. There, it was almost like they were inviting you to be like, hey, it's okay for you to like us. Shh, yeah. It's our little secret. It's all right. <laughs> and I loved it. And I played it for yeah. everybody, including you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you immediately were like, you've got to check out this band. I remember you being jealous because you were like, I kind of wanted to be in a like a piano-led rock band like i thought that would be fun and yeah. then they kind of beat you to the punch um because you couldn't play piano that well at the time well and back then it, <laughs> well, i don't know why we thought that if one band did something like that that it was like they you couldn't do it for two oh, decades. it's taken yeah. guys <laughs> oh we can't do it but it is true that like the 90s the piano was exclusively used for mostly ballads because even like ben folds five the hit was Brick, but that was the only chill, not the only chill song. The rest of that record was more kind of rock and roll, but with a piano, just a trio, you know, piano, bass, and drums. And for me, that was a record that kind of made me go like, oh, like the piano can rock again, but it wasn't, it still didn't feel like rock and roll. It felt like something different, but uh, because there were no guitars in it, obviously, Ben Folds. Uh, doesn't clutter things up with guitars but um yeah this just felt like it was like blending those kind of two worlds because i i was more billy joel than elton john but like i love billy joel and so 
for a band in like kind of my generation to come out and be piano frontman led. And by the way, I think Andrew also takes a lot of uh, stage presence cues from Billy Joel because if you've never seen him or something core in any of the any of the iterations of his bands, he's not like you would think being chained to a piano it would be boring because. Um, you know, there you can't move around with it. You can't jump around with it. It's a giant piano uh, in the way. But like, he always has these two mics. He's super all over the place, standing up, sitting down, jumping around. Um, and my dad always tells me about how when he saw Billy Joel, like in college, he literally had like ten pianos on stage and would run from one to the other. Like he would just you know run to another one, play, run to another one, and um, and so I I appreciate that he put the effort into making it a cool rock and roll show while being chained to a piano. And really interesting in that same Yamaha article, just by the way, a little random tidbit, uh, he toured with a legit piano, not with a key, like not with a keyboard. And obviously you then have to tune it. I've read another interview where he was like, everyone that toured with us, <laughs> those poor guys had to listen to someone tune the piano every night for an hour. <laughs> you know, like that was just part of the gig. I mean, you got to tune it every night. Uh, when you're traveling, but here's something I didn't know. And this is crazy as like a sound guy slash I've done audio for forever. Um, he was talking about the technical, like how do they mic it up? And he was like, we use a combination of these pickups. And I was like, what they make piano pickups. And sure enough, I look up a video and Sennheiser and all these companies that make pickups, they make piano pickups that are like, here's the bass one. Here's the middle one. And you literally like, they've got magnets on the back and you like literally stick them inside the piano. It's not mic'd. I was like, well, that's insane. I didn't know I had no such idea. a thing. Makes yeah, too much I'd, sense. Yeah, it does. It makes all the sense in the world. It's like, why couldn't you put a pickup on a piano? So anyway, I thought that was a, an interesting thing. And obviously he played Yamahas because he was interviewed in Yamaha magazine or something. I don't, I don't know. They probably have a magazine. They make freaking ATVs and all sorts of weird stuff. So uh, they, You're not they subscribed? No, I'm not. I should be maybe. Um, anyway, I just thought that was interesting <laughs> just how the influence is also, I never got to see something corporate in that, um, <sighs> kind of either. thing, but I wish I would have, uh, but I've seen him a few times, uh, in other iterations where he played some of these something corporate songs and I was glad that he did. Uh, Kyle, what about, uh, your <laughs> first impressions? Guys, I feel like a total loser dork, but my first impression is going to come live and direct to you tonight because I had never listened to this record before and I don't really have an excuse. Um, Chris, you've mentioned I was a drive through dude. So like, I don't really, I don't really get it. Um, I love Jack's mannequin. We, yeah. we did that record. And at the end of that episode, I mentioned I hadn't back cataloged and I, I don't know why I just hadn't. My best guess is that uh, I was too fragile for if you see Jordan uh, it, when they first came out and I was like, Oh, I can't listen to this. I, I, I don't know. That's the best I got, but this, did week, you have a Jordan hurt you? No, he's spelling out the F word, Blake. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not why I have, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it was that, that, that made me not check out this band. I don't know if there was just so much other stuff that I was listening to and I was overstimulated and didn't take the time. And the weird, the weirder thing about it to me is we'll get into it more with track by track, but like I, I love 
the Jack Mannequin, the first Jack Mannequin's record. And like, I definitely have not listened to this record before because this week I'm just like telling myself over and over again, this sounds really good for it's what 2002. Yeah. And these kids are like I said, 18, 19 years old. It and sounds really sounds good. Great. <laughs> and so I was, I mean, it, cause there was a part of me that thought, Oh, maybe I didn't listen to it because it didn't sound as good. No, it sounds it really up. good. It holds up. And, and honestly, like, Maybe you have more of this story or know more about it. I don't know anything about him personally outside of his uh, cancer story. But like, I don't know why Jack's Mannequin's Jack's Mannequin because this, this is Jack's Mannequin. This is as good and very similar to Jack's Mannequin. So, uh, so, I mean, I think the, the main story, I mean, a couple, I think one guy left or, you know, I think it's the normal kind of band stuff when you're young. I think it's just like, um, got a little burnout. They were touring for forever. Yeah. They toured from basically 2001 to 2004 or five constantly. And I think it just kind of wore them out. And originally Jack's mannequin was just supposed to be like a side project thing. It was just supposed to be like, Oh, let's do this fun thing. And it was like I said, Jim Wirt that produced this. And I think the next something corporate album produced Jack's mannequin too. But like Tommy Lee played drums on it and stuff like that. We talked about. Yeah. Um, and so I think that then, but then it became a permanent hiatus. It was kind of a hiatus that turned more permanent. And obviously his cancer probably had something to do with that. Uh, <laughs> You know, well, also, and, uh, I think it. I think yeah. it points to. You know, I saw some of the other guys in the in the songwriting credits, but I think it also points to the strongest voice in in this band. So yeah, yeah. Now, th- an interesting point that maybe we'll talk about. I remember, you know, before when I was super into that Jack's first Jack's Mannequin record, and I, you know, we were traveling back from Albuquerque or whatever, playing shows. Um, I remember being like, you got to listen to this. I remember you specifically didn't love his voice. So I, I'm thinking that might have been the thing that turned you off. Well, what's so back weird is, it, you, I mean, you're probably right, but what's weird is I'm at a, a place now where I love his voice. And yeah. so I, I don't know. But that'll do it for me. I mean, I've definitely had bands where the voice turned me off enough where I didn't, it's like I didn't give it a chance after that. And, and then at some other point, I do check it out again when I'm older and wiser or something. And I realize that like, Oh, I get why this bothered me, but it was foolish of me to not give it a chance because well, of that. It's funny because I felt like I remember, I'm like, I'm certain these dudes have told me to listen to this before. I'm certain Blake has been like, Oh, you got to listen to this, but I have, I no probably m- just assumed you had, I, I probably just assumed you would listen to this record, you know, and, and, cause and, you're always, I rarely tell you about something. And, and <laughs> also, also, I don't, I have nothing against something corporate. That's the other thing. Like, usually yeah. it's like, I don't know. What's, what was the band that everyone liked that was all on Hot Topic? Broken Side? <laughs> oh, I don't that? know. I mean, there were so many bands. <laughs> there were but so like, many bands. Stuff like that. Like, you know, like, no, I'm not going to listen to that because I think it's stupid. That wasn't the case with, with these guys. So, like, I, I don't really know. I, and maybe you're right. Maybe it was his voice. Um, that That kind of rings a bell, but it's just weird because I really, really enjoy his voice now. So, taste change, well, man. Yeah, but I like that you're. I like that you're coming in with a fresh perspective. I like when we do records where we all. I mean, it's fun when we do a record that we all love too. I'm not saying that's not fun, but it well, is also fun. It's when, fun when we do a record where we all kind of hate on it too. 
<laughs> okay, so that's, that's an interesting point. Fun. Let's let's talk more about that as we get into this because I think that we did not plan really having this in the panic at the disco record back to back, but they have a lot of really interesting parallels in my opinion. Uh, but except for how we feel about them, <laughs> no, no parallels in the sense that like they were young, first full length record, some things like that. But to me, the end results are so much different. Uh, between the two of them, even though Panics was way more successful than this. I know this one didn't sell 2 million copies. Um, so anyway, it's just kind of one of those, uh, it's interesting that we're doing them back to back because I feel like it's um, interesting. Okay, so let's just get into track by track and let's go to track one, which is uh, I Want to Save You. Kyle, let's go to you first. I'm probably going to go to you first a lot because I'm interested to hear your more fresh opinion. I'll still throw some. It's going Chris, to be but... the most interesting opinion. So, yeah. no pressure. Oh, man. Uh, it's good and it sounds good. I like, I like it. the way uh, there's different guys playing different instruments instead of just everybody playing one instrument. There's one. He's playing. I feel like I hear hints of piano in there. Um, <laughs> That's so cool that you picked up on that, man. Very astute. I immediately picked up on the piano. Um, scent of sex and newfound glory. I mean, like it's that a good line that that well, and it had me. You know, like okay, all right. Um, I also love the uh, I love the snare hits at the intro. You know, like the the uh, yeah, uh, sounds great. Um, but really, for it being the intro track for me, it was just like, whoa, what the heck, like. I was asking myself, why did I, why did I think I not like, didn't like this? And why did I not listen to this? Because this sounds like freaking Jack's mannequin. Like in, and I mean that as a great compliment. Uh, it's a great song and it's a, it's a great opener. Um, man. Yeah. It's good. Uh, Chris, wh- Chris, what about you? Oh, it's a great song. Uh, the, the dynamics in the verse, like, you know, it kind of starts out quiet. They bring it in with the heavy guitars. Uh, that little piano uh, piano riff is um, just awesome. He's, he's got a great way of making these, like, really simple riffs on the piano, like bringing them throughout the song um, and, and doing it just right. And then, of course, yeah, the, the new Found Glory line. I, I think I remember that's what finally put me over the top, and I went and bought a newfound glory record. I was like, like that, they are. Punk I was like, rock. I should child. Right. I'll check them out. I'll check them out. I think they were what 2002. They were already, they must've been decently big, but yeah, I like, think that, but like enough to where like I'd heard about them a lot, but it never really like, you know, yeah. So am I wrong? Jumped in the am, deep end. Sorry. No, that's it. That was it. That was am I, end. am I misremembering? I feel like there was a drive through like, compilation or joint ep that had some starting line stuff early starting line stuff on it and some early something corporate stuff on it and like i feel you like, would know if anyone, i feel like I feel both like. those bands 
like got huge before having put out a record. I it's exactly what happened. I, I think I have like the I, very same memory because I'm looking at the date this came out and I'm like, that seems too late. I think I had started to hear about this band before May of 20, I'm gonna 20. see you guys Blake, you talk about you talk about it and I'm gonna see if I can find this because I think Look, there was a compilation. Well, there's also the okay. audio box or EP that they put out, and the timing is probably right around the same. Yeah, that would make sense, which had some of these songs, but like lesser versions of them. Yeah. Um, you know, like early kind of demo kind of versions. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a great opening track. I like that we get... I actually... So, it's weird. I think... I know they did real strings on this record, but this opening track actually sounds like it might not be real strings. I can't quite pick up on it. It's, they sound a little weird to me, but I don't know. Um, it's a good intro to the band, though. Like, uh, we talk about a lot on this. It's like, we don't want to bury the piano, um, which is easy to do with crunchy electric guitars. So they've got, um, it's kind of introducing the dynamics of, we've got this kind of quiet intro, but pretty large sweeping choruses. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I think he wrote it about, you know, sort of girls that think they can save guys that are, you know, it's like, Oh, I can fix them. It's like, what's well, a story no. too. Yeah. Like, it's a great so, story. He's a good storyteller. Yeah. Young, young songwriters don't typically write in that voice. It's usually first person. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's Oh, uh, me, me, me. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think I, I, it's very interesting right off the bat that he's t- telling a story. He's a storyteller, like in the, out of the vein of like Bob Dylan or Bruce Springsteen, you know, well, or Billy look at Joel. that list of look at that list of influencers we just like or influences we said Billy Joel, Elton John. I mean, Bernie Toppin's writing those stories, uh, uh, but you know Ben Folds and and Adam Duritz are also really storytelly um, a lot of times. And so, man, he was writing just much better. And I'm not saying every lyric on this album is like poetic, um, but it is I think better than the panic record that we did last episode. And I think that there is a maturity there that is, I think pretty, um, cause I think of these songs, I listen to them and I'm like, you're right. It sounds like it could be some, uh, Jack's mannequin or, you know, Andrew man in the wilderness. But I'm like, Oh, wait, wait, but he's like 40. There he's like 39 now. <laughs> yeah. I was like, he was 18 when he was writing these songs. And so I go, man, that's like, it's impressive. I mean, I like it. I think. And, and yeah, clever lines, the sex and new fun glory line is fantastic. But, uh, so yeah, good opening track. Um, and it doesn't, it, it's, I like a good opening track. That's like, definitely you're in a bad, you're in for a bad ride. If the best track on the record is the first track, this is definitely not the case with this where we can still ramp up quite a bit and it does. Um, but it's a good intro. Uh, Kyle, did you find anything out about this, uh, this EP or mix thing? And here's what it is. It's a word. I don't know if we've used on the, on the podcast before and it's going to, I'm going to, yeah, it's a buzzword and it's going to just blow your minds with memories. I'm excited. The 2002 Drive Through Records Summer Sampler. Mm. Oh, the sampler! Look, if yeah. I show you this cover, you guys know. Oh exactly yeah, I've seen I know that, that one. Yep, the red one. Yep. And yep. and also like what I was here. There's the color. Uh, what I was saying earlier, it was three bands because I remember being like, dude, what the heck? Um, <laughs> it was it was. Well, there were several bands, but in particular, the starting line Finch and something corporate 
had songs on there, and those bands were like famous before they even put a record out on Drive Through. I remember people freaking out. When did that come out? 2002. 2002, like spring. Let's see. Or summer, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) But it probably came out in spring. (laughs) Summer sampler. So this album had just come out then. This album came out right, right at the same time, but. Uh, that's a good sampler. That's that's solid, man. I miss those things. Yeah, that I probably don't make fun. those anymore. Yeah, and then those dude, are great. Going to buy the album and sometimes being disappointed, but sometimes being yeah. surprised. Yeah, some it uh it was a it was a fun way to to get out there back in the day, and everyone was handing those things out at Warp Tour for show, uh, or in magazines or wherever. Hot Topic maybe or Hot Topic. Yeah, wherever you got it. Okay, let's go to track two, Punk Rock Princess. Uh, Kyle, let's go to you. Great freaking song, great hook. <laughs> also, and uh, so so like, <laughs> you know, we talk about uh, nailing the landing. Like his intros on the last on these first two tracks. Maybe when the room is empty. Maybe when the bottle's full. Like, dude, like it's a right, good lyric. Right, the first lyrics of the song of the last yeah. two songs are great. Um, also, I mean, I'm just like kicking myself because. In 2002, I could have, I could have been making out with someone to this song. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Hey, girl, you blew it, punk rock princess. Kyle, you're being really hard on 2002. Kyle, he was a different guy. Yeah, you know <laughs> what? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that guy anymore. <laughs> uh, I just don't. I mean, I'm just frustrated, guys. That's all. Because this is good music, and. Yeah. And uh, and I definitely would have thrown this on some Kyle Simmons mixtapes. Yeah, it, it's a really good song, and it's definitely a fantastic second track. It really, um, I love the intro to it. I love the I'm with you on the opening line. You're right, I never really thought about it, but both opening lines of these songs are are really good. I, I I assume that he gets that opening line out, and then the rest of it's just like butter. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's how I imagine it happening at least, because he does have some really good, um, like he writes good verses, and a lot mm-hmm. of people just throw away verses, and I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really like that the the verses are a good melodically, and and b have some really good lyrics and stuff. Chris, what are your thoughts on the on the tune? That's so good. I mean, uh, the the bounce of piano, the chorus has got just an amazing groove. I don't know what it is about the chorus of this song, but it just feels so freaking good. The drums, everything mixes together really well. I will say that part that you played, that string part, always irritated me just a little bit. I always thought it was a little too much. That the little trills at the end, maybe could have done without the trills. I don't, it's it's a, just a small note that it, it, it always felt like a little too much to me. Um I like but, the build, though. I don't know what, would, what I don't know that anything I, would fill that space. I think you know we're talking about 2002, Kyle. I think maybe punk rock 2002, Chris. Maybe it was just like ah, it's a little, little too much, little too, little too much candy, it's too much ear candy. 
Just a little too much for me. Now I mean, it doesn't bother me one bit. We've got a legit 22-piece string thing on most of the tracks on this record, oh, yeah. including yeah. the ones called Punk Rock Princess that are straight-up pop, rock, punky kind of songs. And well, we've they're talked like about going this all out with the string yeah. arrangements. I love it. Right. How did no. how did this kid get people to like <laughs> sign off on who he was? You know what I mean? Like at I that know. age, like how did how did he get them to be like, you know what? Yeah, we'll do well, that. We'll give so, you that. Uh, I'm I'm looking it up because so a guy arranged all the strings for it. Like, mm. I'm gonna, I'm looking up his name right now. Still I'm, I'm not sure cheap. No, 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 well, not they did have at all. The major, I mean, you know they had the major label, though, right? Yeah, they had MCA. Oh, that's right, yeah. MCA yeah. and Drive Through. It wasn't really okay. Drive Through. It was they, okay. they were yeah, already you're right. You're MCA totally was right. already in love with them after they did the EP, so they had like their full backing of a major label. This is when Drive. This is when Drive Through was uh, fueled by ramen. That's right. Exactly. Yes. Richard and Stephanie yeah. print, printing those dollar dollar bills. Well, and so the big difference between this and Panic again, I'm going to keep comparing this to Panic, is that Panic was literally a vanity label under uh, Fueled by Ramen, whereas this yeah. is a major label footing the bill and releasing it on drive through. And so giving it street cred. And giving it street cred. So it, it is a different situation. That's why you now Pete Wentz had enough money, I feel like, at the time to spend more than eleven grand, as we talked about on Panic's record. But you know, I imagine this um I imagine this record cost quite a bit more. It it just <laughs> seems crazy to me because we've all had experience in recording and I just imagine me at eighteen being like, and what and I really visualize guys just a full orchestra on all these songs and like I mean, I was told no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. Not for much lesser things. Like, hey, can we get pizza in the studio every day? Yeah. No. I I just feel like we, um, I, you know, first of all, piano and strings do go together, they together totally better. Do. Mm-hmm. I've never written a song that I even thought could have strings in it. So I don't, I don't know. And I'm sure maybe... It's because I can't think like that. Like I can't, I could not possibly arrange strings on a song, and so maybe that's why I don't think about it. But like Kyle, your tune that has strings on it, like makes me, like, legitimately gives me goosebumps when I listen. I've told to you, it. I've told you that story. right? Oh yeah, we've told it on here. Where you got <laughs> uh, best worth... and worst day of my life, man. Yeah, uh, you know. So those couple tracks of yours that have strings on it make me go like. Gaga, uh, and I'm and I and I go, man, I got to figure out a way to do that. Strings and choirs for those things that I've I've never done, and I need to. I finally checked sax solo off the list, uh, which was also and here, you but... did it and you did it well. Well, thank you, but I would like to do strings and or choir at some point too. But uh, you know, so I, I I I like it. I'm into it. Um, Chris, did you have any other thoughts? I sort of uh, hijacked you when you started talking about the strings. We've talked about this before, but. Um how we like when the background vocals aren't always done by the lead singer. And I think this band does it so well, the background vocals, like the high harmonies, like they, they just every, every chorus, they just nail it. And it sounds so great. So string arrangements by Paul Buckmaster, who also did string arrangements, arrangements for people like David Bowie, Sean Phillips, Elton John, Harry Ah. Wilson, the Rolling Stones, Carly Simon, Leonard Cohen, Miles Davis, the Grateful Dead, Stevie Nicks, Lionel Richie, Celine Dion. So, those guys this is a legit good. guy doing your string arrangements, which I wonder, like, was he like, I'm I'm doing string arrangements for a kind of a punk rock band? That's weird. Uh, but, like, I don't feel like he half-assed it. 
No. Like, I yeah. feel like they're really cool. They're not just like, you know, everyone always makes fun of the Metallica string thing because it was just like whole notes <laughs> behind, you know, it was not a very interesting string arrangement. But like, these are cool string arrangements. There's like a lot cool stuff going on. I know oh. maybe it rubbed you the wrong way a little bit, Chris, but uh, these are not um, a poor man's. There's um, also several no, times on the record where the guitar does some wicked stuff with the strings and it's yeah. freaking cool. I'm not 100% sure. I'm pretty sure he did the string arrangement for Drops of Juvederm by Train because it lists Train here, which I do love that string arrangement. Mm-hmm. It's oh, very cool. I've never cool. heard that song. I'll have to You've look never- it up. <laughs> <laughs> where were you that year <laughs> Kyle was in a coma that year yep. that Drops of Jupiter was on every radio station didn't matter what it was uh, anyway so cool string arrangements and I mean god that must have been amazing to be 19 and have that going on I've been nervous um, dude I've been thrown up in the bathroom uh, yeah I, I, I probably would have been too but I would have been just I would have like can I sit in the middle of this room like that's what I would want to do was it um, was it you? I, I know we're off on a tangent, but was it you, Blake, that always happens. made got super mad at uh, what was that? Jessica Simpson's little sister. Oh, Ashley Simpson. Ashley Simpson. When she was having Could never like be Be mad be- at her. I think Beck's dad was like arranging strings for her, and she was like playing on her phone while it was happening. I like, didn't even care. Oh, I don't even remember this. Oh, I, I, I all right. It, it might not have been me, but that does sound like something that would have made me mad. Yeah, is that like. What are you doing? This does sound vaguely yeah. familiar now. Okay, okay <laughs> I do cool. think, yeah, yeah. I do, this does sound familiar. That's what now, you would, now that's what you would have said. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I would have said. Yeah, that was probably me. Guilty. Okay, let's go track three. If uh, which is uh, I woke up in a car. Chris, let's go to you first. What can you possibly say about this song? It's amazing. <laughs> and very relatable to us who were yeah, also in tra- our 20s, traveling around the country and loved it. Brings back the best memories of traveling. I always think about uh, that the coolest part about touring in a band, I think, is falling asleep in the back and then wake and then somebody shaking you awake and then you're in a city you've never seen before, like, you know, or crossing the Mississippi River or like seeing New York City for the first time, and it's definitely very relatable. Um, plus, I think this is, if I remember correctly, Blake, because me and Blake have gone to see Andrew play many times together, t- two or three times, and I think th- this is one he always plays, isn't it? Isn't this the one he always? I believe goes back so. To? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think uh, the last couple times I think he played uh, Punk Rock Princess. I woke up in a car and something else. Yeah, something but from it, North maybe. It, yeah, it's always it's always wonderful to hear hear this song. Uh, I in that same Yamaha article, it mentioned that uh, they didn't do anything kind of crazy with the piano, except that there were a few tracks where they would record it in halftime and then speed it up just for a weird kind of effect. I think they might have done this on okay. that intro piano because it's like so you can hear how it kind of has a thing, kind of almost perfecty sounding, yeah. and it's probably because anyway, that's a cool trick to do. Yeah. I'd never wouldn't have picked that out. 
uh, and I, I could be totally wrong. I don't know which tracks it's on. We couldn't, uh, we didn't try to get Andrew to come on the podcast and tell us. Maybe we should. should Andrew, you're welcome first. at any time. Anytime. Yeah, anytime. Come on, hit us up. Andy. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on I woke up in a car? Um, <laughs> I, I really dig this one. Uh, and for the same reasons you guys were talking about, I, <clears throat> the lyrics, um, are really great. And so I actually looked this one up specifically and genius.com, uh, and says that, McMahon wrote this while on the road with something corporate in 01. And it's not about driving across country for a girl. It's a song about self self realization, a song that tells us that we can't wake up and discover pieces of ourselves. If we don't escape the life we feel so lost in and your greatest epiphanies may happen in the most unlikely of places. And so, um, wait, I when think is that's, this? That's a quote from him. Yeah. In what year? I'm not sure with the year on the quote. Well, he was way more mature than I was. Yeah. <laughs> when I was yeah. 19. Freaking, what a freaking awesome quote, right? I've been like, it's about being in a band. That's what I would have said. Mm, it's about my band, guys. It's about my band. Um, uh, no, yeah, I, that's I, well I think, put. Yeah, it was like very... And obviously, I can't... I, I have nothing to add to that. That's what this song is about. And so it freaking rocks. Um, I love the way that the piano sounds um, right before... <laughs> I, it's not a pre-chorus, but you know, the, the music right up, up before the chorus. Um, I'm not sure if it's an effect or what it is that sounds, makes it sound the way that it does. It may not be the piano, but, uh, I really dig the vibe of this entire you're talking about song. the swelling guitar. Oh. Is that what you're talking about? No, I'm not no, doing a very good job so. of impersonating it with my mouth. I, but, I, uh, I, it was great. Yeah. There's also scratching. On this, which is very 2002, oh, like yeah. DJ it record like, scratching yeah. in the background, very weedus, yeah, but very weedus, but subtle, <laughs> just 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 in the back there. I had not thought of weedus in two decades, and then it came on a playlist randomly the other day, like something just shuffly through Spotify, and I was like, man, I haven't thought of that band. And then you just mentioned it again, so Freaking it's kind of weird that there jam, have been two dude. two weedus references this week for me. Um, Great song, yeah, it really it really is. Um, yeah, that song's great. Gosh, they've really done this. Just like gone. Okay, I'm into. I want to save you, and then Punk Art Princess takes it up a level, and then this one's just a great song. So I'm just, I'm into this record at this point. It did not take me any time uh, to be into this. My first impression was I liked it. The second Chris uh, showed it to me, and I went and bought it. And then the yeah. cover was like, yeah, definitely like the cover. Uh, okay, yeah. if you see Jordan track four, here we go. I had to get it in there. I'm sorry. Right, I had to do it. <laughs> uh, I like anytime, first of all, someone changes up the lyrics the last time in the chorus. I always like that. And then I always feel that F-bombs are better if you only do it like once on a record. 
I just Subtle. feel like it works that's well. Once or twice, that's the way to do it. Um, I guess he wrote this, you know, uh, about some guy bullying him in high school, and he decided to write a song about it instead. Um, and this was one of them that was on the the was it called Audio Boxer? Is that what the EP mm-hmm. is called? Uh, so that one's in in was on that too, and they weren't originally going to include it, but I guess it was kind of a it was quote unquote a hit for them or like a song and they decided to include it and uh, they work. They did not include the other track from that. That was, if I were a terrorist, I'd bomb the graduation because September 11th happened after that uh, came out. So (laughs) therefore referencing terrorism, not quite as um, cute um, post that. (laughs) So they stuck with just the, if you see Jordan, Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts? Okay, so I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Uh, first of all, great song, uh, like power power pop tune, right? Uh, but they nail the landing on this one. The final freaking lyrics. I don't care if you dye your hair, you're all, you'll always be a little redhead bitch. <laughs> oh <Yeah>. my gosh! <laughs> the the best part about it is that he's redheaded. <laughs> <laughs> that's what makes it even better is that he's like disparaging this guy but he's a redhead too it's why uh, he can say that right yeah it's why yeah, it's like fair it. that's why he can hate on it he's like yeah. i'm a redhead too um gosh yeah i i agree they stick the landing <laughs> for for sure uh chris what are your thoughts i the, i always says this is an incredible song um you know you always gotta gotta sh- give a shout out to anyone who does like a six eight song but still like gives it some movement that's just incredible. I mean, it's basically, you know, it's a, that's a waltz time signature. And and yet they turned it into this big, epic, giant sounding thing. Also the fact that he wrote the song really quick when he was pissed off about a guy wanting to fight him after graduation. And it was like basically a throwaway song. And I, why does that happen so often? There's, it's so interesting how often it happens where somebody's just like, Oh yeah, just do this song together and put it on the CP. Didn't think it, anyone would like it and then I mean, this was their biggest song yeah and it's, it's a song it's the, the most, first song that someone played for me and i i absolutely loved it i was like this and it's certainly so the most like juvenile on yeah. the yeah. album it's also they were juvenile they were literally so still teenagers that it's funny though it's like yeah so, it embraces it yeah exactly yes exactly and it's like it's perfect when you're in high school, like, you know, the yeah. kids you're selling this to are in high school and they ate this up. I ate this up. Oh, uh, uh, it's a, it's a great song. Um, I'm into it. So, uh, so first four songs, we kind of ramped up. We've gotten to this point. Uh, then we go to track five, which is the astronaut. Here we go. Okay, I've got a little story. So, um, according to the Wikipedia, which is you know generally the entire sourcing of our information on this podcast, um, wrote this in the middle of the album's recording sessions while Tom Petty was working in the next room at one of the studios they're at, which 
I often think about like the people I really love, like their music and stuff. Like, what would I say if I got to meet them? And that's definitely going to be the thing if I meet Andrew. Like, you got to tell me about Tom Petty being in mm. the next room while you're recording. And like, what is that like? <laughs> kind of like, did you meet him? Did you talk to him at all? Um, I I'd imagine just like there's enough dripping off of Tom Petty that you can you just get to soak it up and write a great song like this. If if he's in the next room, it's like it just it it's like a leaky faucet or something like that. It's just like there's enough creativity coming out of that next room that you get some of it. Because um, it's a great song, I like it a lot. Uh, let's go to Chris. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it, it's got a nice summertime sunset vibe. Um, I'll always bringing it up with the choruses, the big epic sounding choruses, and I I think the string arrangement in this song is one of the better ones, one of the best ones. I shouldn't say one of the better ones. It makes it sound like some of them are bad. That's not the case. Um, it's amazing. I think the string arrangement on this song is especially good. How's that? Oh, it's, you know, it's especially good. And and I think that, like, to Kyle's point from earlier, this sounds as good as it would be if they recorded it today. Like, there's no, oh, like, yeah. they really do it nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. They nailed it. Uh, the strings are great. The song's great. It kind of starts Andrew's obsession with talking about, I feel like, space and astronauts yeah. mm. and whatnot, which might be an Elton John remnants of Rocket oh, yeah. Man and whatnot, because yeah. uh, we've talked about that on the Jack's Mannequin record, the kind of like what has to be an obvious callback to, yeah. to Rocket Man. Um, uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on The Astronaut? Uh, it's awesome. That clip is great because it's got that... Uh, that kind of like late '90s, early 2000s, like drum beat vibe going on, and and also uh, you had just talked about drops of Jupiter. Yeah, it, I mean, it this has of, that kind of it kind of yeah. has that vibe in, in a in a much cooler way, in my opinion. Yeah. But like, it has that vibe, um, and also I've mentioned several lines that I like. This dude is clearly a great songwriter. He's just a kid. And so like the whole song isn't necessarily always great, but man, every single song has a, uh, has a line freaking. I've got platinum vision and a tinfoil touch. Yeah, that is, (laughs) that's a good line. (laughs) That is a great line. And, uh, man, he was just writing way better songs than most people at 18. Totally agree. And and to me, that's the biggest difference between, I mean, I don't ever expect an 18 or 19 year old to be able to write great songs. Like I, I even, I think I've maybe even talked about this on this podcast before. It's just something that really kind of stuck with me. And this is such a weird reference. Uh, uh, it, I, I was either listening to the audio commentary. This is ridiculous. I'm going to really embarrass myself here, but like, listen to the director talk about of love actually talking about trying to pick the music for it. He's like, I never want to splice stuff. I always want to try to use the track as it was originally recorded in a thing. And so, you know, I'm trying to find stuff and there's that Joni Mitchell song. That's the like re-recording of it with her with strings or whatever. And he remembers like when I, cause you know, they're probably similar age or whatever, but he remembers being like when that song was released, it was uh gosh, what is it? Um, the one about, I really don't know what love is anymore, whatever that song is. Anyway, uh, 
he was like, how pretentious for a 24-year-old to think that they know anything about life and love and stuff like that. And then to hear her re-record that later with the orchestra, you realize like, oh my gosh, she was kind of like wise beyond her years, actually. Right. And yeah. I feel like this is a similar situation and just like, I don't expect someone that's in their even early 20s to be able to, I mean, unless they've just gone through something outrageous. Like, I feel like, you know, if we were getting these lyrics from Andrew post cancer and leukemia and stuff like that, like I get that. That's like a different kind of life thing. Um, but man, when you're 19, I feel like if you haven't gone through much, it's hard to be that deep and stuff. But man, I just feel like he's got great lyrics and he's writing great songs. And even if the lyrics were mediocre, I feel like, um, the songs would still be really good. Like I said, I've, I've said a million times before, I don't pay that much attention to lyrics most of the time, but I agree. There's a lyric in every one of his songs that makes me like perk up and go like, God, that's really good. I wish I would have thought of that. Uh, Katie, uh, Katie calls it uh, having an old soul. I think that's yeah, what he's saying. Totally. He, yeah. That's <laughs> absolutely that what it is. Yeah. He has yeah. that vibe too. So um, it's really interesting though. So, uh, okay, let's go to track six hurricane. Chris Monier, I think I caught you out of the corner of my uh, air drumming, so uh, we're going to you. What are your thoughts on Hurricane? The intro to the song is so awesome. You didn't. You played a great I clip. I didn't pick you the intro. I clip. thought about it. I thought yeah. about it, though. You picked a great clip. It really, it's hard to capture the excess of the song without pa- picking the way you did. I think you did wonderful. But this song, to me, captures in in one song more than any other song the, the signature sound of this band this kind of power pop punk rock unique thing. They have such a unique sound, which is pretty incredible considering how young the guys are. The, you know, we were just kind of on a tangent about how young he was, but the, the whole band, I mean that like atmospheric guitar swell that you did in there. I mean, if, if a, a guitar player did that on a song that I was working on back then, I'd be like, no, 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 no. That's so just turn off those dumb pedals. That sounds stupid, but yeah, I don't yeah. know how he's, how he ended up pulling it off so well. Um, and, then another trick that maybe our boys at Panic could have taken a note on is, hey, give the instruments some space in the chorus. You know, yeah, don't, yeah, hey, like let it just let it sit there. Those two words, yep. it's all you need. It's it's a very mature uh, mature songwriting. Well, yeah, uh, lyrical space, melodic space, and even just instrumental space, which is kind of, I mean, you are a little bit. You have to well. I'll I'll tell you this much. So Kyle complained last episode a lot about how the pianos were way too hot in the mix, and you know, in my opinion, that's because it's hard to mix um, piano and electric guitar. Sometimes they clash; they're in the same frequency range. They don't work super well together, which is like why Ben Folds never had electric guitars mm-hmm. in this stuff because mm-hmm. it was like it's going to override the piano, and the piano is the main instrument here. Um, they do a pretty good job. There is some stuff where the piano gets a little buried uh, on choruses in here, but that's kind of the nature of if you've got a chunky guitar over the yeah. top of it. But they're good about, like, that's never the whole song. It's like, okay, but then on the verse, it's all piano and the guitar is doing swelly things or weird kind of stuff. And so they do a good job of, 
of dynamically changing stuff um, so that it's A, interesting, and B, if you just play a distorted electric guitar all the time throughout this song, uh, you wouldn't be able to hear the piano ever. And then you'd have to either turn it up a bunch, which then it would sound too loud and be obnoxious. So again, that's a good producer um, knowing when to say like, okay, this guitar should be chunky or no, there should be nothing here. Uh, I imagine there was probably a bit of going like, nope, you need to stop playing. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're, like, you're not playing on this part because uh, that's half of what a producer needs to do is take stuff out. I think you're right, Chris. I mean, it's like, like, a, like he's like a ruler, like hitting his hand. Nope. Yeah. You stop playing that guitar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you literally need someone to tell you that sometimes. Um, I think I saw, I saw uh, in on we were uh, the podcast we referenced the most on this podcast is Jim Adkins uh, uh, pass through frequencies thing. Is that what it's called? That's Did it, I just that forget that. Sounds, yeah, that's what it's called. Exactly. Uh, like what it, what it yeah, that's what it's called. called. Yeah. But his one with Chris Caraba, where he was talking about like there was this like part I worked really hard to play it right. Like I was really proud of it. And then like in trying to figure out the arrangement of the song at one point, we like muted it and it was like, Oh, that's what we, that's got to go. And it's like, yep. they knew it, but he was like, I was kind of so sad because <laughs> I've worked so hard to play that part. But it's like, you know, that was the right thing to do. You got to scrap it. And, yep. um, Chris that's Caraba. <laughs> yes. He, uh, a family famously owns Caraba's oh, Italian Caraba. restaurants. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I wonder. Oh, you all, you have to do it every time, I guess. Um, the heir to the ristorante. Yeah, none of that is true that we just said, by the way. So, <laughs> um, any other thoughts on Hurricane before we go on? Did um, I talk to you? I, I didn't talk to you, Kyle. Sorry, I, Kyle. I have some thoughts. <laughs> Would you like to one, go? <laughs> yeah. Would you like one, to say anything? Okay. It's How about most, you go? It's the most, uh, to me, it's one of the most punk rock songs, like in, even the way that his vocal performance is on this song. He's kind of intentionally, you know, a little more, I don't know, nasally, a little, a little less, a little less his usual voice. And then also, I'm so glad you picked the clip that you did because, well, thank you. um, I would put all of my money on the fact that that is an homage to total eclipse of the heart. It's gotta be. Well, so that's what you could ask him if you ever meet him. Yes. That's what I will ask him. If not on this earth, in heaven. Yeah. You're just going <laughs> to... That's the first thing. Like, hey. Andy. Curious. Andy, 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 Andy. <laughs> God, I like how we're calling Jesus, him Andy. Great to as see you guys. I've got I'll someone else right I need to you. talk to real quick. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's go to uh, the next track, Kavanaugh Park. Kyle, let's go to you first. Um, so this one to me has a very uh, like Billy Joel feel to it. Um, and is it, isn't it later on this one, the guitars build and they do the chugga chugga things? Am I wrong? Mm. Does this one not build? No, it builds, but I don't remember the chuggas. 
There's some no, maybe they do. I don't know. Anyway, I'm a sucker for that. Um, I love the... Well, I guess I don't love it. It's sad. It's really good line. And there was never any place for someone like me to be totally happy. It's such a bummer, you know? It's like, dude, Andrew, yeah. let's hang out, man. Let's be buds. We could be I, happy. I'm sure he's not... He doesn't seem like that depressed of a guy. <laughs> he seems it's a pretty, pretty depressing jolly. line. But I mean, yeah, it is. But <laughs> like a teenager. It's one song. He's a teenager, yeah. Uh Chris, what are your thoughts? Someone probably I don't know, knocked his trapper keeper out of his hand or something. <laughs> it was like ended up being the worst day of his life. Someone you know, bought the last what, surge. Yeah. The, <laughs> <laughs> the vending machine. Damn it. Uh <laughs> <laughs> This is a beautiful song. Um, once again, string arrangements, just magic. Mwah, chef's kiss. Mm. Um, it's got kind of a hopeful, dramatic feel in the bridge. I'm glad you picked the bridge. Uh, it sounds really good. That, that's all I really have to say about this song. It's it's a good one. I, I love, 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 love this song. I mean, this is definitely um, not the song that you probably – I know it's not the song you played to get me hooked on the band, but it was definitely, I'm a sucker for any kind of like either sad song or ballad. I, I joke that one of my favorite genres of music is sad English music. <laughs> like, you know, like whatever, like, or, you know, any of those, you know, frightened rabbit or bears den or any of those kind of like love that stuff. Uh, and this is in that vein of like, I love us like teenage angst kind of stuff could be, roll your eyes kind of quickly at it, but I just, I never felt like this was, I just love this song. Um, I think it's great. The string arrangement is perfect for it. And I almost just wonder like, um, I wonder if this song, if any of the, these songs that had the strings on them, like, did they have that magic there without it? Like, did that, is that the thing that made it be like, okay, now it's complete. Or was it like a cherry on top? Because I just I hear this song and I go like, what would it have been without the strings? Like I know the strings it, make it. It's taking up so much of of um, of what's going on that I just wonder if it would have worked. Like everything else, the strings are nice, but I can hear that the core of the song is there. But this is one where it's like, do they steal the show? And so yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. It's a great song. I mean, I'm I'm looking up right now. Uh, the play count of it in in iTunes. Uh, unfortunately, Apple Music has just not made that easy to find anymore. But I'm sure it's the it's got to be one of the highest songs if because I just wore it out um, back then. And this keep in mind, I did not have iTunes at the time. Uh, this was I was rocking the CD uh, when I was really wearing this out. But uh, I love it. It's a great song. It's it's uh, one of my faves. Always loved it. So let's go to uh, track eight. Fall. It must be Kyle, um, I would like to say that my last note on the last song was my first note for this song, which was the dun dun 
da dance. Oh, ah, uh, that's what. It, okay. <laughs> the second, the second I heard him, I was like, "Nope, that's what I was talking." That's about. That's what they are. Yeah. So, um, and also this this song kicks butt. There is a scratch down in Kavanaugh Park. <laughs> right. Oh. Oh, he does that slide. a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I'm into that. But uh, okay, so yeah, yeah, they, yeah, your chug chug note makes a little more sense. Anyway, keep yeah. going though with your other notes, please tell us. Um, I mean, it's a great tune. I I I actually don't. I I I had the the guitar line at the end of the last song notes, but yeah, I mean, it's a good song, and honestly, I there's not a single song that um that we've heard so far that I want to skip. Like I'm into all of it. And yeah. after this, cause so in case everybody doesn't know at home, we, we had like some uh, technical difficulties. And so we, we had a week with this record. And so since this record is new to me, I had a week with this record. Um, I'm going to keep listening to this record when this is, when this is done, like no question. And we've done a couple others that I weren't super familiar with, but this one, like I'm certain it's going to become a, it's going to become a thing for me. So another good song. They're all good songs. I dig this record. Chris, what are your thoughts? I uh, wrote Epic AF. <laughs> That's definitely very, an award. Yeah, definitely a big, big, big song. Um, that background vocal in the second verse. Yeah. I was like thinking the same thing. I album. love that. It's so good. <laughs> It's exactly it, it, it sounded, what needed to be there. And it almost, it sounded like an idea that like, if you did it, like, I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to try it in the studio. And everyone's like, I don't know, man. And then they did it. And I was like, Oh, actually. That yeah. Great. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought. I thought the same thing. I was like, that doesn't sound like the thing that you would think was obvious, but I guarantee they did it. And we're like, yep, that's it. That's it. That's perfect. That's exactly what needed to be there. I, I, I hope that's what happened. Cause I, I feel the same way about that part. There's a lot of little parts like that on this song. Actually, there's mm-hmm. the little, the kind of feedy back guitar. That's kind of me, 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 me. I love that part too. I mean, there's just a lot of little ear candy stuff going on uh, in those sparse verses that would otherwise just be done. Done. Right. Right. With the drums going. I just, I like those little, um, Vocal things, and I always, I mean, you know, the classic production trick of the first verse has got less stuff in it, the second verse has more stuff in it, and then by the last chorus, you've got kind of everything in there. Um, but they just do a good job of filling the space, and again, probably a great job of taking stuff away, too. Like, those verses are really simple, and it's it's mostly drums, and uh, and I like it. It's good, uh, good stuff, good song. Um, uh, Shall we go to Straw Dog? Yeah. We shall. All right, here we go. Straw Dog. Credit where credit is due. Chris picked the clip time for this one and nailed it. That kind of piano jamming at the end is so good. I love it. Chris, let's go to you since you picked the clip. 
Yeah, this uh, the ending of this song is a drum, drums and piano clinic. It's like <laughs> yeah. this is this is how good you'll never be. Uh, people that are all already older than these guys, they're uh, they're just jamming out. How fun is the ending to this song? Just it just sounds like everybody's looking at each other and smiling and just kind of grooving, and it yeah. feels it feels right. I love it. I don't know what a straw dog is. I looked it up. It's a dog made of straw, according to Wikipedia. Mm. <laughs> Thank you, Wikipedia, mm. for the clarification. They haven't failed us yet. Yeah, um, that's all. I yeah, have to say I've never known what that is either. I don't know what the song is about. I've looked at the lyrics. I, I can't figure it out. It's kind of all over the place. Who cares? Drums and guitar, piano, sounds great. Those are my notes. Yeah, I, I. There's something weird that I like about the lyrics, but I don't know what it's about. <laughs> is that the? Yeah. Yeah. Is that a weird place to be at? Because like, got a quality. <laughs> I I like the picture he's painting, but I don't know what it's about. The Jessica's covered in a blanket on a Sunday porch. I I love like that verse. I just think it's um, you, you know, she uh, she doesn't have a flame. She'd prefer to burn out like a torch. Um, I don't know. I just I I I don't know. Like I said, what a straw dog is, or the chemicals in the clouds are calling the police is all about. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I really like the song. I mean, it's such a good song. Um, and and the lyrics, even though, but that's that's what's awesome about. Um, that's what I like about songs is that like it doesn't have to mean something to someone. Like this song doesn't mean something specifically to me, but I still like a lot of these lyrics. I like the way they paint a picture. I it it feels like it has a feeling to it. Like it, it doesn't feel half-assed or something like that. Um, right. It just feels like, um, I don't know. I just I like that about songs that they can, you know, this song probably means a lot to someone. Uh, it, it, I just like the feel of it. I just love it in certain lyrics. But I don't know. That's just an interesting, more of a note on, um, you know, listening to songs in general and music. Kyle, what are your thoughts on Straw Dog? You guys both mentioned the feel of it. And I agree, it feels good. Chris? <laughs> good, we're all in agreement. You mentioned... I feel good. You mentioned, uh, like, picturing them, like, smiling, you know, like, bobbing their heads, jamming. And, like, I know what the vibe is. I've placed it. And this is I, I'm. This is all positive things as far as I'm concerned. It's a 90s vibe. In particular, it is a... Spin Doctors to Prince's vibe, dude. Ooh, yeah, you're right. Like, it, it is. It is completely that vibe in in the best possible way. And and show me someone that doesn't think that's a good song. Like uh, or, or at least isn't having a good time while that song's on in the background. Spin and then Doctors convince me that Princes. that person shouldn't die. Right, yeah. Cuz if you told if you told me you didn't feel good when uh Two Princes is on, then I'd yeah. be like, I don't want to hang out with you because yeah, you're, you're probably a curmudgeon. Like I yeah. probably like what do you like then? <laughs> I don't know. QAnon. Like, I'm not saying you have to love the Spin Doctors. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably big into QAnon if you don't like. Uh, if you don't like. Two it's princes. pronounced Quanon. Oh right, sorry. Um, no, it's got a great feel. That's a good. That's a. That's a really good uh, description of what's going on there. I feel like this could. Not. It's not quite there. It would be what I would maybe say is the closest thing to a Sacred Heart song on this record because that Ooh. that end part with the piano stuff I could see being the end Good of vibe. a of a happy vibe yeah. episode of Scrubs. Um, the best so, thing about a Sacred Heart song is it doesn't have to be a specific thing because John Dorian experiences 
all sorts hey, of emotions. All, all sorts of emotions. He learns all sorts of lessons. He does. I, I agree. Ah, uh, yes, that's a very true thing. Okay, let's go to uh, good news. Here we go. Chris Monier, what are your thoughts? Since we've got a drum solo at the end, it feels like we should go to the drummer. What are your thoughts on good news? Yeah, drums are great. I like the uh, the snares on the ones and the threes. You know, they're kind of changing it up for the chorus a little bit on this song. It's a nice little transition song to the to 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 the end of the album. Um, yeah, I would hate to tell homeboy who wrote that song what the news is like now. <sighs> Yeah, I thought the Ooh. same thing when I was writing like, notes for this. Oh, I was 1990, like, oh, boy. 1999, like before. <laughs> I mean, yeah, something. Day here happened. as long as you can. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, I, I would be curious uh, when that was written because, yeah, um, I mean, other than the fact that he might have written this in 2001, right when September before 11th happened, yeah. <laughs> to be fair. I don't know, maybe he wrote it, this in October of 2001 and, and it probably did seem, seem like there was nothing. Uh, I've been, I've been yeah. deep into the nine 11 documentaries uh, being that it's the 20th anniversary. And I just like kind of forget about all those feelings that were in the air in 2001 and 2002. Um, it's kind of easy to do. Um, Kyle thoughts on good news. I mean, you guys kind of covered it. It's a good song, uh, but more than anything, when, when I was listening to it for the first time, I'm thinking, whew, man, still, uh, still hits. I mean, uh, want to hear good news. Me too, dude. Yeah. And, and I was thinking, dude didn't know he was, uh, he was in the good old days. He didn't know Twitter would exist this. in a, in a few years <laughs> <laughs> and, and ruin, uh, stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, I actually, this is not like, I would say this is in the, bottom part of this i don't like dislike it it's just not it doesn't do a yeah. lot for me this song it's like okay That's, it's fine right it's like fine i don't want to skip it i uh don't hate anything about it it's just weaker than some of the other ones but but it's hey, topical again he's 19 or 18 or something like that so i'm not gonna begrudge uh one track so far on this record that i go meh that's fine you know i'm not even skipping it i just um just you know maybe not repeating it uh okay let's go to a song that I pr- I would repeat, Drunk Girl. Another night, and she said no, 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 I know that everything is gonna be just fine. How can I do this when I want to be Chris Monier, thoughts on uh, Drunk Girl? The song, not Drunk Girls in general. VGVs again. Great. Make the whole song. Um, Again, thank you, Billy and Elton, for the influences there. I grew up listening to drummers who just kind of 
the Toms were not for playing often. But boy, right. Brian Ireland on this song, he is not afraid of those toms. They probably had to tune them between each take. He's all over the freaking place, man. I love it though. I'm all yeah. into. Um, I, I I really appreciate they're, both kinds of drummers. Well, they're pushed back far enough. Uh, uh, you you talked about the pr- production. It's important that the the producer knows, like, okay, it's okay for you to go nuts with the drums, but I'm still gonna like push them back a little bit in the in the mix so that it's not overtaking the whole song. Um, so yeah. They did. They did well. Not, you know, any the the retardando ending too is is a nice touch, slowing it down a little bit to end it out. Yeah, I like it. I all. like it. I dig. Uh, I really dig the guitar parts on this. Uh, Kyle, uh, what are your thoughts on it? Especially love fresh. B- I like to hear love your the fresh BGVs. Love that the guitars that were about to come in, or I guess technically did come in, but we didn't hear them all. Um, and also, I think that this song kind of reminds me. On the Jack's Mannequin uh, episode, we talked about how he he clearly is one that maybe writes the lyrics and then fits it into a song sometimes. And I don't think that there's a lot of songs that feel like that on this record. No, you but meant this Panic. One, you said Jack's, but I think you oh, meant sorry, Panic, I'm right? sorry, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, um, on the on this on this record, this is the first one to me that kind of stands out as like he's he's already written the verse he's fitting it in um i'm not saying that that's a bad thing i'm just saying like it doesn't quite have the same flow that that every other song does but i do think the song rocks i i love i love the lyrics i mean i just like that when everyone else and you know 2002 we're kind of like really entering um raps kind of like not pinnacle for sure but it's definitely like everywhere and every and you know like obviously we wouldn't say that most rap has a lot of like uh you know friendly lyrics towards the ladies i would say and it's just no. so funny to me to have this kid being like oh my gosh i regret kissing this drunk girl because she you know i don't know i just it's cute like yeah. it's sweet in a, in a way but it's also like in this kind of punk rock song that's like i, I why did i kiss this drunk girl and uh and I like it. It's fun. Like it's a, it's an interesting. Um, this is why. Yeah, it's weird to say I, it's sweet, but does that make sense? I mean, I'm, oh I, yeah, no, I mean, say, like I, the I, sentiment I, of being like, oh, it's like a dumb. This is a thing. She like she had her eyes open. I love like all the little tells of, and he's trying to back off, and she's saying, no, it's fine, and uh, he realizes that it's like she wants something totally different than what he wants, which is he probably really likes her, and she's just you know like, oh, I want to kiss a guy. It's, a, it's the kind of theme for a song that makes me just picture Henry Rollins like just holding the bridge of his nose, <laughs> just utter disgust. Right? Yeah. Because <laughs> like, right? Because it's like, what are you are you? Yeah. Uh, you're right. It's not. It's the opposite of of um, angst and and uh, yeah. But it, they're, also, they're not a punk rock band, so it's all right. No, no, no. And they're also. It's just interesting. I, I like it. It's it's a yeah. fun. Well, it's a fun song. song. I, I like it. So okay, let's go to uh, not what it seems. Chris, you also picked that clip, and I love at the end there the chord changes. 
Um, yeah. It's a great little play on it. Uh, Kyle, let's go to you first. Uh, what are your thoughts on Not What It Seems? So I know that I'm completely influenced by the awesome strings that are going on. How could you I, not be? But I feel like this song has a yellow card vibe. Oh, yeah, I can hear that. For sure. And, and uh, I mean... Which is pre... Do I, do I really need to elaborate on how I feel about that? Right. Yeah, this is pre... What if this is where Yellow Card got their sound, guys? This song right here. I mean, Yellow Card was around at this point, but they hadn't done Ocean Avenue yet, right? Right. That's 2003. Uh, right, yeah. So. Um, I can hear it. It's It uh, It sounds a little Ryan Key-ish, like the, yeah, the, the like melody specifically. Yeah. Yeah. I can hear that. You're very yeah, so, observant on things like I, that. I don't pick and, up on these things. I love Yellow Card, so that I, that is a oh yeah, that is this a is big not, compliment. I like so. both those bands a lot, so no problems uh, at all. Any other notes on that, or are we going to Chris? Go all to right. Chris. Chris Monier, thoughts on not what it seems. Huge fan of the single note verse. It's not technically a single note, but it really is just one note, kind of driving the whole verse. Instrumentally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it gives yeah. it uh, gives it that room to kind of like move up and down into the into the chorus. Uh, strings, yeah, I wrote the strings are great too. Oh I, my see, gosh, I, I wrote so good. Uh, maybe it was just the the chug the chugga chuggas, Kyle. But I I kind of heard like a Jimmy World influence a little bit on oh. the song, you know, with like the. Uh, but uh, you're you're. I think you you may have more right on the money. I don't know. Um, so well, look, it, obviously they're they're like bringing their influences in for for uh, as they round third on this record. Maybe that's what's really happening here. Well, there was, I mean, look, I know I read off Andrew's like musical influences. There was not a band in 2002 in this, anywhere near this genre that wasn't like not ripping off, but influenced by Clarity and Bleed American. There was not, there was not one. And, and so I think you're right. I mean, there's just no way these guys didn't also like Jimmy World because everyone, I mean, I don't know a single, I don't know anyone that was in a band back then that, that didn't list Clarity as like. Yeah, a, their always, favorite yeah. record and didn't love Bleed American. I literally, I don't think I ever came across one that didn't didn't like it. Um, now, I mean, that's obviously the crowds we were running in were very much right. in that road. So that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, obviously, these guys are going to have, you know, the, the guitarists have to have influences too. Right. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a good song. And the strings, again, just like, man, I mean, really, there are strings on all but like three of the tracks on this album. That's amazing. Like that's a lot of music. It's a long it's a album. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a fit. And it's like a 55 minute record, by the way, yeah. guys, which is, is longer than most of the records, um, at this point. So I appreciate that too. I like that. They didn't just do the old tin song and out, uh, which speaking of here's where we get a little controversial, maybe not controversial, but like, so the original CD, um, right. We, we didn't have, uh, a 14th track. This was the last track. You're gone. The next track we're going to play. Um, we're going to do the kind of bonus one that ends up in the later release of it. But so this was the final track when we all had this CD, but Kyle didn't ever hear this as this being the last mm. track. Uh, this is track 13, which is you're gone, which uh, Chris and I will is going to make us feel like it's the last track. Here we go. <laughs> Every 
Okay, so let's, I mean, let's go to Kyle first, just because I'm always interested to hear your fresh opinion. Um, thoughts on You're Gone? Um, yeah, I mean, I had no freaking clue that this was <laughs> the original last track. For me, it's always just been the second to last track, guys. Always. Right. <laughs> so then what do you, or give me your thoughts on the song first, then I've got a question for you. So I think it's a good song. Um, I really like the line. It's hard to wave goodbye from airplanes when I just don't think you can see. Um, I relate to that. It's true Um, too. I know. (laughs) I mean, and also like I'm old enough to remember when people could actually go into the terminal with you and like wave from the window. Right. That's how old I am. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and, and this song was probably written before that time too, because yep. in 2001, oh, yeah. you could do that yeah, until right. September 11th happened. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, now that, now that you tell me is it's the last song, it, it's got the last song vibes. I, I enjoy it. Um, yeah. So my question to you would be like, do you feel like it has last track vibes at all? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I, I, I wasn't, I was not even thinking of it like that. But yeah, totally. I mean, I can, I can't hear it any other way. You know what I mean? Like, I thought that the last track, I thought that the globes and what's the next one called? Globes and globes maps. and maps. Yeah, I thought that was. I mean, yeah, that felt like I don't know. Okay, Kyle. Song, so, so <laughs> let's go to Chris, who originally thought. I mean, obviously, we. This was the last track. So, your thoughts on uh, on your gone? So, this song to me is it, it's definitely the like a departure. You know, it's it's kind of it's got some yeah. interesting themes from that. I mean, there's it's still a something corporate song, obviously, but it, I felt like it was almost influenced by some like kind of a '90s United Kingdom London vibe, like a. I heard like some el- like almost Radiohead or Badly Drawn Boy like that 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 kind of element in the in the in the verse. Um, I don't know. I, I it's a it's an interesting song. I well, I'll tell you why it's an in- different vibe is because uh, uh, the guitarist wrote it. Ah, well that 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 explains it. Okay, yeah. yeah. Do uh, uh, wait. Do you guys not are is this one like <laughs> is this like notoriously uh, uh, not a fan favorite or something? I don't. I wouldn't think so. I. I. I mean, I do remember feeling like it was an odd last track yeah, for the same. album for some reason. Like it just, it was just different enough that it didn't quite. Um, like it didn't fit anywhere. It's not like so I didn't just, like, like it. Tag it on the end. Yeah. You know, I, like I said, I, I wouldn't say I didn't like it for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, so so let's see. Hold on, I'm trying to look. I've got this note somewhere. Hold on. Uh, so yeah, Josh. Partington wrote three songs on the record, uh, Hurricane, Fall, and You're Gone. Those are the ones that he wrote, and uh, Andrew did most of the rest of them, uh, or some combination thereof. So, so yeah, I think that's why it is a little different. But that is, um, those do have different vibes, for sure. Yeah. I mean, they definitely make it work. I mean, it's a band, obviously, that happens. Chris and I were in a band that Chris wrote songs, Danny wrote songs and they only cross streams once. Uh, and uh, it worked fine. So uh, I think it can happen, but it did always feel like a weird last track to me. Yeah. It didn't agreed. feel like a last track. Globes and maps, 
very much feels like a last track. So we're, mm-hmm. that's why we're going to do it on this one. So uh, what, any other thoughts on You're Gone, Chris? Drummer needs to lay off the cymbals on the chorus. Okay. Jeez, He's... Just, just stop hitting him, dude. God. Take notes, dude. Too much. Uh, that didn't stick out to me, but... It's fine. I I, I heard one splash and then I, I like my ears tuned to the cymbals. The rest of the song, I was like, wait, 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 wait. wait. Was that a splash? Hey, <laughs> splashes were popular in 2002. We had mm-hmm. Carter Buford in Dave Matthews Band and <laughs> Travis Barker in uh, Blink Way Two, and so everyone had a splash in a China in yeah, 2002. Well, Picasso was pretty other good than with Chris. Yeah, that doesn't mean that everyone should paint. So true. Uh, splash symbols and China. Chris, oh, remember when everybody had the freaking Chinas? Ugh. Chris, to Chris's credit, Chris never <laughs> had more than a four-piece set with ride two crashes and hats. Um, Play your strengths. My strengths were I was not very good at the drums, so just have a, a you, few of them as possible. You ever, <laughs> were you ever tempted by Travis Barker to get a splash? Never. Not for a, wow. not for the briefest singular millisecond of a moment. Was no. it only because you didn't have enough money for the Gibraltar rack to put it on? <laughs> <laughs> Caught me. <laughs> because Caught me. Oh. Uh, I feel like that was a real problem back in the day. Okay, uh, final track, um, Globes and Maps. Here we go. See, that feels like a last track to me. Like, especially for a piano driven band. Like, yep. I'm into the strings and piano for a final track. I think that's two of the best kind of things you can put together strings and piano. Um, Kyle, what are your thoughts on it? Because you've only known this as the last track for the last week I mean, or two. I mean, I, I had no clue that this was added later. It, I was convinced this was the last track. So here's the other weird thing. I can't figure I can't find any information on when this released as a track. It's like I know eventually whenever it was on Spotify and stuff that I and I'd heard this song like it was written and recorded in the sessions and they left it off for some reason. I'm sure that was probably a label thing. And then I think they just re-released it, but it's not from like a special edition of it or a bonus. It's not like a bonus track. It's like they were like. Okay, you're right. Let's put that on the album, or maybe they just said, "Hey, we get to decide we're going to re-release it." Um, I will. I will say that I really, I really like this song, but I do think that the last line is pretty bad to this song. Wait, what is the last line? Remind me. Do you want to leave or something? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not great. It's not maybe. great. He's he's got better in him, guys. He it does. Is, we've well, heard, we've defense, been he, raving about it. Apparently, he didn't know this was going to be the last song. He was just pinned on at the end. Do you? I mean, do you want to leave or something? I don't yeah, know. it's not. It's not. Come on, sweet catastrophe. It's definitely not of that caliber. Yeah, <laughs> that is a great line too, man. We didn't talk about that one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I. Um, that's funny, Kyle. I yeah, I agree. That's that's a fair point, Chris. What are your thoughts on it as a? secondary last track now 
Right. Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful song, and and it ends the album really well. Um, that that part that that we played there, that where he goes in that little falsetto, I just think it's really sweet and just, um, I don't know, very um, raw, emotional, um, and I like that. I don't. I wish I knew. I wish I knew more about the story of why they added it at the end, because all I know is that like on my music. On, on my version of the album, like in my library that I like pulled from the CD, it's only got the 13 tracks. So I, I wonder when they added the 14th, like w- were there CDs with the 14th track on? Yeah. That's what I checked too. I was like my iTunes only, it does not have globes and maps, but I know I've yeah. heard globes and maps before I was streaming this on Spotify. So I feel like it must've gotten in that rotation earlier at some yeah. point, but I don't really know when, but, yeah. um, it's interesting. I think I'm trying. I was trying to look at my set list from seeing him live and seeing if he played this live one time. I thought he did, but uh, I don't see it on there, so I must be wrong about that too. Um, anywho, that's the the album. Let's jump to uh, our kind of lasting impressions. Uh, as Kyle mentioned um, earlier in the podcast, um, our first question is, "Does it hold up?" And I'm going to go to Kyle first, which is funny because he's only listened to it just recently, but like. Do you feel like it's dated? Do you feel like it sounds like 2002? Or do you think it holds up as far as you could release this today? So it does sound dated, but I think in really good ways. Uh, you, you, We mentioned Train a couple times. Um, it does sound, there are some 90s elements to this, but the record sounds really good and the writing is good. And so, yeah, I, I absolutely think it holds up. I mean, I regret... I regret not having listened to this record sooner. That's, that's a how good. Much that's I a good sign. It. So I'd say that's a that's a that's a good badge to have. Yeah. On a record, Chris, what are your thoughts on it holding up? Uh, yeah. No, the productions. Uh, I think we've mentioned it several times that the it, production sounds like it could have been done. That you could make this record today. I don't think I don't know how you could make it sound better. I think uh, the real. I think the, the real strings really. Yeah. I think the real strings really go a long way to making this album. A more grown up, mm-hmm. uh, B have a production value to it that the other stuff sounds great too. But if you took away the strings, this would just fade into kind of a lot of other uh, of this yeah. genre drive through records or kind of pop rock singer songwriter with some punk influence kind of thing. Um, but the strings really just take it to a different level that to me yeah. makes it kind of more timeless uh, because we've been using strings for centuries uh, for music and certainly longer than the piano or, uh, or the guitar. And I can't believe that I never saw them live. Yeah. But I mean, really never happened. It's weird. But I mean, but they come through our area very often. I don't know. But they go on a hiatus in like 2004, 2005. So small run. And they, they release space in 2003. This comes out in 2002. They release space in, or North, not space. North. Space was the single on it. Uh, North, they released North in 2003. So they released two albums back to back and are touring a bunch. And then they, they're off. I don't ever remember having the opportunity to see them, like that they were right. nearby when I was nearby and could see them. But um, anyway, it's, it's an interesting, um, uh, yeah, I wish I would have seen them for sure. And as I, I saw videos of them, and man, he was just—he he had that like 
upright piano. I'm pretty sure it had like mm-hmm. stickers all over it. Man, it was awesome. Like it was just real a really cool vibe. Um, and uh, they were great. So uh, do but I'm glad that I've gotten to see them play some of these songs. Uh, yes, me too. Later projects, but yeah, I think it holds up. I think it's um, I think it's a good album, and I think that really I could um. I'm not skipping tracks on this thing. And and honestly, I, when we started listening to it again, I do spin this album fairly often, but it had been a little while. I have several of these songs in various playlists, but I, I really was kind of like, man, this is a good album, especially, especially for how young they were. And uh, to get the production value and the songwriting and kind of the band chops that they have on this, um, right. I think it's pretty special for what their age was. And so to me, we're in some ways I kind of held that against the panic record that we did on the last episode. Cause I was like, uh, they're young and kind of the youngness is too abrasive for me at some points where I'm like, Mm. ah, they really got to grow into this a little bit more, but I can see the potential. This is like right off the bat. I'm like, yeah, this is good. Um, melodies are good. Lyrics are good. Music's good. Good pop sensibilities. Um, all the things I like about music. So I think it does hold up. I think also, you 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 used a phrase that I that I think is kind of perfect. Like with panic, it's like I can see the potential. With this yeah. with this dude, it's like this kid's going places. Yeah. It's kind I, of the same same thing, but but also very different. You know what I mean? Right, like right. <laughs> Well, I think we saw little we or heard little nuggets of like, ooh, that's like yes. You know, and the only reason we're comparing this to panic is because we just did it. And right. they were also young guys and it's their debut and all this kind of stuff. And it was a suck fest. <laughs> but I mean, there were, there are nuggets of things. Like it only took one totally. more record for you to love yeah, that's that right. band. And so, whereas like this, you're just like, gosh, what's next? Right. And, right. uh, and what sucks is sometimes that first record doesn't ever get topped because it's hard to write that second record. Um, but I feel like Andrew just got better as a songwriter as, as he went on. Um, so yeah, I think it holds up. Uh, so this one's interesting. Is it their best album? Let's, for the sake of, even though they're all in the same vein, let's just say it's just between this and North. Oh yeah, and not including Jacks or Andrew McMahon stuff. Uh, Chris, thoughts? Much better. I I think so too. I think yeah. it's better than North. Kyle, did you listen to North at all? No, no. and actually, I was going to ask you guys: Is it in the same vein? Are there full blown strings on it in the same way, or it is? Yeah, it's in the same vein. It's it's not. It's they're not that is different. It, is could, it as yeah. well produced? Yeah, definitely. It's okay. just I feel like the I do feel like they had a little bit. There's some great songs on it, but also there are some that are a little more, I don't want to call it sophomore slumpy. That's bad because. No, but, it's, it's almost like too ambitious is what it felt like to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's fair. I mean, I really like several of the songs on it, but not as many as I like on this record. So I would right. say in that case that, yes, I do think this is the best something corporate album. Uh, unfortunately, we only got two. Uh, it kind of sucks. I mean, like I said, we still got Jack's mannequin, which is that Basically first Jack's same. mannequin record might as well be the third something corporate record, yep. except that they were more, Here's just a guess. This is not me. I know nothing. Again, speculation. Like I mentioned, piano and guitars can um, not jive well. Uh, two guitarists with a, with a piano player is hard to manage. Like who's playing yeah. what? It can be too much. 
and which is why Jack's mannequin has one guitarist. Uh, that works, I think, really well. Like one guitar and a piano works pretty well. And Jack's mannequin clearly the piano became like this is the instrument, and then everything else is um, servicing where what I can't do with the piano. So if I want a big chorus, then I'm going to bring in chunky guitars, but I'm going to do little, you know, stuff up top or something like that to kind of let it stand out. So I think it it was. It was not really until the Jack's Mannequin record that they really nailed the piano not getting a little bit buried by chunky guitars. Because mm-hmm. I mean, where else are you going to put two guitars on top of a piano right. without it interfering? So I do feel like that was also maybe a shift um, that, you know, I've never, I never read anything that said that was a reason. But, you know, I do think it's, it's hard to compete um, with electric guitars. Uh, they just kind of overtake those frequencies that the piano needs to be at. And if you're the piano songwriter frontman for a band, I can see why you'd want the piano to be a little bit more focused. Um, but like I said, not speaking for Andrew, I don't know that he ever said such yeah. a thing, but I would feel that way. And I feel that Absolutely. way about piano led bands. So, um, is it their most important album? Uh, this is might as well be the same question is last time i mean yeah it was their debut i think that's important and it definitely did better than north did mm-hmm. um no doubt. and uh and by the end of north they're kind of trailing off as a band and going on hiatus about a year after that so uh, i think that's fair okay so awards let's go to desert island songs two or three of your favorites kyle i'm interested to hear yours uh as as a brand new um listener to something corporate. so i i actually had a difficult time but I settled on Straw Dog. I woke up in a car, and I want to save you. Okay. Uh, Chris, what are yours? Man, that was really hard for me not to pick four. So I did it. Punk Rock Princess, I woke up in a car. If you see Jordan Hurricane 4. Not allowed. (laughs) Not allowed. (laughs) Although, to be fair, I've got five marked in front of me, and I don't know how I'm going to get it to three either. I'm going to do it, though, because you all know, if nothing else, I'm a rule rule follower. (laughs) But it is really, really hard. I think I've got to go. I woke up in a car, the astronaut, and... Oh, I think I picked Straw Dog over Cavanaugh Park just because it's just got a little something special to it. I can't put my finger on, but it's really hard to leave off some songs on this record. I really like this record. Um, Testament to the quality album. We all kind of had a scattered, scattered and, list there. And man, uh, not just a quality album, but man, to be a debut album too is pretty yep. great. I mean, um, kudos to every everyone involved um nobody's perfect is there a worse song on this album for either of you let's go to kyle first just because again with the fresh sound i'm curious what your opinion is i don't i don't think so um to be completely honest with you guys i didn't mention it when we were when we did the song but like drunk girl at first i was like whoa this maybe didn't age well. And then I read the lyrics and I was like, Oh, it's fine. This yeah, yeah, is fine. Yeah. This is a good right. Thing. It is one of those things that like <laughs> piques your interest of going like, Ooh, this is, is this risky? And then you're like, Oh, never mind. He's saying he doesn't want to kiss yeah. drunk girls. That's a good yeah. thing. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Chris, do you have one? I, I almost hate to say it, but if I had to pick one song where I was just like, uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, good news. I, it, it's a I think it's mine song too. for me. Yeah, it, it just me transitions too. the two parts of the album. I don't I, wouldn't, I don't skip it. Yeah, I wouldn't kick it off, but I, um, I would say it's my least favorite. But I would not call it 
a worst song on this album. That's not that's not fair. I don't think. What about Grower Not a Shower? Uh, Kyle, I think is kind of eliminated from this. Maybe. Do you have one? <laughs> can't play this game. You can't play this game, Chris. Do you have a Grower Not a Shower? Uh, for me, that was um, always Fall because I I think I always kind of liked that song, but um, it, it grew on me like all the different layers and um, you know the background vocals we talked about and stuff. I, I, yeah, that was that was always the grower not a shower for me. But like when I when I think about how that song was a grower not a shower for me, I'm still thinking about listening to it on my lampshade iMac. You know, like the yeah. it was a long long time ago. I remember uh, going, oh, that song's cool too. This <laughs> kind of uh, vibe. So uh, those iMacs hold. Speaking of something that holds up, by the way, the design of those iMacs holds up. You could re- you could make that computer right now and it'd still be awesome. Yeah. It would need a 27-inch monitor on it, though, instead of a Yeah, I think the monitor on those were whatever. like 10 inches or something stupid like that. I bet it's <laughs> so small. Not very big. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it might be The Astronaut. I know that sounds weird. That at, that also ends up being one of my favorites. But because it was a little bit chiller, um, Kavanaugh Park kind of took that top spot for me when I was that age, when I was 19, listening to this. Or 18, I guess, when it came out. Um, and then because the astronauts a little more, even mid tempo in the middle of those, I think it kind of didn't resonate with me as much then, but like, I do remember like going through the tracks and kind of trying to write notes on them and stuff. I was just like, God, this song is (laughs) so good. Um, and I, I don't think I realized that at 18, I think that it took me a little bit longer. I don't think it took me very long though, but, um, so I'd probably say the astronaut, uh, any other, any other last final thoughts on, uh, on this, this album or the band or, or anything, Kyle, are you going to go on to listen to North and stuff too? Yeah, I, I absolutely will. I think it's a good thing to do. I think it's a good album. It's, it's just, uh, but it's, and it's largely in the same vein, but it's not quite as good as this one, but I'm curious to hear what your opinion is. So I'll, I'll let you guys know. We'll do that one sometime. Uh, well, that's it for us. Thanks for listening again. If you like what you hear, please consider giving us a wonderful five-star review on iTunes. And of course, please subscribe so those new episodes just show up on your device that you listen to uh, when we release them, which is every two weeks on Tuesdays normally. Sorry, this one's a little late. Um, And you can always send us your comments, disagreements, or suggestions of which we got plenty uh, with our hating on the Panic at the Disco record on the last episode. Uh, You can send those to info at findingemopod.com or you can send us on any, find us on any of the... uh, social media things with at at finding emo pod um other than that we'll catch you next time